to What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I'm joined by my friends Doro, Frank, John, Kat, and extra special guest GM Rob for Idris Bai, a surreal role-playing game set in a city full of strange occurrences, unusual places, and bizarre characters, published by Vagrant Workshop. At first glance, Idris Bai looks like a backdrop in a faded photograph, a snapshot from the beginnings of modernity. Trams, hats, first automobiles, black and white silent films, but beneath that facade, we can hear the unpredictable murmur of our collective subconscious, the monsters in the basement of our psyche. Idris Bai is a setting which lies somewhere between European city life in the 1920s and the dream worlds of depth psychology. In the city centre, reality is relatively stable, but the further afield you get, the more it deteriorates, mutates, and becomes dreamlike. You can find out more information about Idris Bai and buy your own copy on its website. That's idrisbai.com. I'll add links to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. So Rob does an excellent explanation about how Idris Bai works as we play through the scenario. But here is a quick summary at the top of the session. Players decide what characters they'd like to play in the world of Idris Bai, determining their origin, personality, and so on. There's no fixed stats or fixed character creation steps you have to follow. Simply, you just need to come up with a character concept that you'd like to play and discuss it with the GM and the other players to see if it fits within the story's theme and tone. Characters could be literally anything. A real person from history, a cartoon character, someone from a parallel universe, a talking animal, whatever appeals, as long as everyone at the table is happy with it. For the most part, players and GM do everything together, collaborating on telling a story in the world of Idris Bai. Most of the game, in fact, is made up with conversation alone, using improvisation to move the story along. At certain times, however, players can draw cards from one or two decks to have an effect on the story. These two different kinds of cards are resolution cards and chance cards. Resolution cards are often used to see if a character is able to succeed at a task, with text prompts like yes, but, no, and, yes, and, no, but, and so on. When a player draws a resolution card from the deck, the GM or another player is appointed to interpret the results based on the text prompt that has been drawn. In other words, a player may not interpret the results of a resolution card they have drawn themselves. Chance cards add to the surrealism of the game, forcing strange things to happen to the story. These cards challenge the players and GM to interpret and improvise, and ultimately provide the game with an element of unpredictability, which is so characteristic of Idris by the city itself. Each player and GM may only draw one chance card per game session. And that is it. That is all you need to know to play a game of Idris Bai. A massive thank you to our GM, Rob, for introducing us to Idris Bai and running it for this podcast. Honestly, I can't tell you how much I really enjoyed this game. I'm an improviser, and so much of Idris Bai really resonated with me and my improv skills. I had so much fun with it, and I really want to do something with Idris Bai in the future, but I'm not entirely sure what yet. So please, please, please go and check it out. One last thing before we begin. 
Naturally, there are times in this one-shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Idris Bai. Yeah, okay, so welcome to Itris B. It looks like you should say Itris Bai, but apparently it's Itris B in Norwegian, and it's their game, so they know what they're talking about. All it means is the city of Itris, because welcome to the city. This is a city created by a goddess, Itris, who has disappeared now, leaving it in her wake, and it is a magical realm caught between reality and dreams. Does it exist? Does it not? I don't know. Maybe it exists right now. Now that we're talking about it, the city comes into existence. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe the parallel universe. Maybe there's a lot of D&D players running in a parallel universe to it. It is just its own place and welcome to it. We're all going to be playing characters in this city, uh, in the world of Itrus. For tone and touchstones and atmosphere, I want to say it's 1920s, but actually it's more like any time from the belly pock of Paris from 1890 to about 1930. So it's very much that era of industrialization, smart clothes, flappers mixing with gangsters, but also you've got that drizzling of magic. Also, it's a magical place. The center of the city is very solid. It's very in reality. The further out you get, to the sort of outskirts, the more reality fades and the, the world starts to come apart a little bit and stranger things happen. But even in the centre of the city, where it's very solid and very real, it's still very surreal as well. Odd things will happen. Strange things will happen. There will always be a case of, I don't know, maybe it's raining fish today. Who knows? Put into your mind your favourite Dali, Magritte, Picasso, Frida Kahlo, Dora Maar, all those artists who just put their stamp on the world and the strange things that can happen. People will disappear in and out of reality. There will be portals to other worlds that open and close, and there'll be giant shaved apes that just walk around tending to bars. So don't worry too much about it. It's all just very strange. We'll go through characters in a second, but first I'll run through game mechanics, and they are this deck of cards. What will happen is occasionally you want to do something. And if it's as simple as opening a door, cool, you can open a door. If it's, I want to punch someone out and run away, that's where the deck of cards comes into play. What will happen is one of you will sort of pose that as a question. So the question might be, does the owner knock out the guard and get away? And then I will nominate one of you to draw a card. I'll be doing the drawing, but you'll be the one drawing it. So let's say, Cat, does Fiona knock out the card? And I draw a card, and the answer is no, but you learn something important. So at that point, Kat tells us what happens. I do not. I might have ideas. If you're really stuck and like, shit, I, I can't think about it, you always ask other players or myself, but the first refusal for what happens is the player that draws the card. Normally we'd have a deck of cards in front of us, but obviously internet, we can't do that. So I'll draw the cards and just let you know. But it is up to that player to then interpret or improvise, if you will, what will happen. And yeah, the cards are... Yes, but, no, but, no, and, just no, maybe, if. So it's very improv prompt. That is the mechanics of the game. Anytime you want to do something where there's a chance of failure or something interesting, you pull a card. And at any point you could say, I'd like to pull a card on this rather than, you know, just I do this. It might be, I want to pick this person's pocket. I should probably pull a card to see if I am detected or not. So the question there is, is John detected while he picks a pocket? Pull a card, find out. That is the game mechanics. 
That is everything. Combat, interaction, talking, literally everything. That's it. Except I've got a second deck of cards. <gasps> now, these are chance cards. Once per scene, any player can say, I would like to pull a chance card. And literally, you can do this. Each of you can do it once. You cannot do it more than once in a single scene. And this will change everything. This will literally change everything. You just say, you can do it because you're bored. You can do it because you're not sure what to do next. You can do it because you're an agent of chaos. But you just say, Rob, can I pull a card? And I'll say yes. And then I will pull one and we'll find out what happens. So, for example, cat content might be drawn. Cats demand everyone's attention by doing something out of the ordinary. Whoever said, I want to pull that chance card, then has to describe what those cats are doing, why they've drawn everyone's attention, <laughs> and how that affects the story. These will make and break the game in that I have had adventures, and Cat will testify to this, where it started on one plot, the chance card was pulled, changed it completely. So <laughs> it just can completely derail it. Chance cards are great fun. There are a number of cards, because this is, um, it is kind of a mature game, there are a number of cards that do have romantic slash sexual implications to them, I will ignore them for the purpose of the podcast. I will skip past them just because that's uncomfortable when you're not playing with people you know and you don't have that sort of level. So we'll skip past them. As I say, it's very French, 1920s. <laughs> so uh, yes, those things can come up, but I will skip past them. And if there is anything that comes up that you are like, uh, I don't want to talk about that, please let me know. Uh, safety tools are in effect. The easiest being the X card. Good thing about interest by is I literally can say, and then the scene cuts. Uh, because it's surrealist nature. Think of it almost like a silent film. Occasionally there'll be zoom ins and zoom outs and you might all have to speak in uh, placards kind of thing, holding up. <laughs> so these things can happen. We should just get on with it. Yeah, sounds good. Fantastic. What I'm going to do is get you to all introduce your characters. Just give us a name, pronoun, brief description, and one or two dramatic elements about them. Um, you don't have to tell us everything. You could lie if you want, but that's it. And I'm going to start with who? Let's do it in uh, order of joining. So Fiona, obviously. Ah, oh, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. Uh, it's your podcast. So it is my podcast. So um, I am. <laughs> so I am playing Veronica Taylor who is uh, a sort of 1920s uh, lounge singer. She's very sort of like, stu she's stunning. Let's put it like that. She's stunning. She has cropped sort of pixie hair that covers one eye. The, I think the thing that stands out to her, sort of, I guess, a dramatic quality is that she is completely black and white because she is a cartoon character. That's it, I think. This is sort of a cartoonish yeah. quality. Definitely not ripped off of any film or anything at all. How did she feel about rabbits? Oh, well, we don't talk about rabbits. Yeah. Is Veronica 2D? Veronica is 2D, yes. Right, okay, fantastic. You can also introduce uh, the new qualities during the game. If it turns out she's also a mob boss, fine. Fuck it, as long as it, <laughs> is. it continues the story. This is the fastest and loosest RPG you will ever play. Doro, you were next, weren't you? Yes, my character's name is Miriam Klumpfus, but because nobody can say that, her name is Mimi Hu. <laughs> Mimi Hu. <laughs> Mimi Hu comes from uh, Berlin and has a very strong German accent, but she is actually on her way to make a big career in Hollywood, uh, so she's looking for a boat or anything yeah. to yeah. go there. Because she is running from uh, um, uh, a mafia kind of big boss, Simon the Spider. So everybody knows Simon the Spider and she stole something from him. Mm -hmm. Something very 
she shouldn't have stolen. Mimi is um, very flexible. She is a dancer and can bound in every direction and is very strong, but tiny for a dancer. And she grew up on a fair. Her parents were psychics. They could tell the, the, the future. So Mimi thinks she can do that too. So she sees <laughs> patterns and symbols and stuff so and crows and cats she's all she knows everything about that fantastic that is brilliant because it is it trust by as b by as well i think the spider the your gangster is going to be literally a spider <gasps> yeah yeah he's literally <laughs> a massive spider with a top hat so that's what he's known as so yeah, yeah. He is the spider that's chasing you. That's great. What are the chances of Mimi being played by Liza Minnelli? Very high. <laughs> right, Kat, you've already renamed yourself, and this is a familiar character to me, but you want to introduce Gubbins to the world. So uh, Gubbins is a gentleman who happens to have a contraplasia, which is a form of dwarfism. Uh, he also has a carnival background. He's also an appreciative artist. Uh, so he's very much in love with anyone who's on the stage and wants to help them and fix things up for them. He's a bit of a fixer. Uh, he, li- he likes to look after people. He can get into anywhere. He knows everybody. Excellent. A little bit of a wide boy uh, fixer. Everybody loves gubbins. Everyone loves gubbins. <laughs> that sounds like a catchphrase. Besides, I am well fit. <laughs> Why wouldn't you like me? <laughs> Fantastic. Cheers. That's gubbins. Uh, John. Yep. Yeah, so my character is called Squire Angstrom Whitaker. He is the quintessential country squire who has no money but has a house, basically, uh, right. in that situation. Yeah. He's very gregarious, very affable. Like likes everyone. He assumes everyone likes him. He uh, has a couple of weird things about him. In any situation, he can always be heard. So even if he wants to keep a secret, he can't because everyone in the room can hear what he's saying <laughs> at all times. And uh, he can't win a bet. Any bet that he makes, he would just lose. Oh. It just doesn't happen. Any game of chance. And he's very happy about it. That's his entire sort of like, oh, well, lost again. And just carries on as if that's how life works. He assumes <laughs> everyone constantly loses. Uh, that's uh, but he's very happy about being a loser. He had a parrot who died and who now haunts him. <laughs> I feel like you have nailed the theme of this game. There, that is excellent. <laughs> the parrot was called Scuttle, and uh, the parrot just it's just uh, just gets irritated, but he's not irritated. He, nothing irritates Angstrom. He's one of those sort of people you right. try to irritate, and nothing can irritate him whatsoever. Yeah. He just assumes what his decision he's made is the correct one at any given point in time. And uh, there is somewhere in the world, someone to the exact opposite of him who he has never met. <sighs> Fantastic. That's oh great. Oh, my God. That's really good. So you've got a house in the Grand Meadow, just so you know, just because that is a region of the of the city. The good thing about Itchersby is that it's fully designed to be like you make your own world. In fact, it has exercises in the book as you're reading it to say, Find a part of the background that you don't like and cross it out, which I have done. And it tells you to add bits and staple them into your book. So oh, I don't know if you can see, but I've literally stapled my own parts into this book. Yes, it upsets Cat a lot, but there are whole areas where I put <laughs> a pen through it and just said, no, I don't like that. I'm changing that name. And yeah, literally writing in a book, the best type of books, books that are annotated. Sorry, that's <laughs> a little, uh, little spiel there. But yeah, look at that. Cat, look at that. And finally, Frank. So my character is called Woodhouse. He is a valet. He's not a butler. 
He's a valet in his late 50s. He grew up in uh, the countryside, but when serving in the military, he was a Batman, it's called, which is like a soldier's servant, got connections to the Fish family. He is currently valet to Reginald Fish, who is the young, misbehaving uh, son in the family. He is calm and patient and understanding. He is a member of a secret society of servants who have a lot of dealings and knowledge about what is actually going on in the world and potentially working for good to try and better the world. Fantastic. Um, I am assuming the fish family are all half fish and one of your roles is to push the young master in a wheelbarrow full of water to where he wants to go. <laughs> yes, they are human-sized fish. Fish, yeah. Yeah, they are it's the fish old. family. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and your one of your main roles is rolling a, a wheelbarrow full of fish. Excellent. Fantastic. So that's our cast. You've all found yourself in the city of Itrus through wanderings. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you dreamed it. Maybe you only come at night in your dreams. But either way, you are in now this magical city. And you all already have a reason for being here. You've all fallen in in some way with an artist known as Edgar. And Edgar is one of the rising stars of the art movement in Itrus B. Now, the art movements in Itrus B go at a ridiculous pace. There will be a new movement, a manifesto created and collapsed within a matter of minutes. Uh, it makes the Tate Modern look like some uh, parochial museum. <laughs> Every time someone comes up with it, a, a whole community of artists, a commune of artists will appear, create this wonderful world-changing art, and it immediately disappears. Edgar is one of the shining lights of all of these movements, somehow. He's had a blue period, a cubist period, an abstract period, a pre-Raphaelite period, all in the space of a week. And you all have some reason to know him. Maybe he's painted you. Maybe you lost a bet to him and owe him some money. Maybe the Fish family are here to collect some money off him. Either way, you've all got connection to Edgar. This can come at some point. You don't need to, just as long as you know you have a connection, have a little think about it. We don't need to know why now. But either way, the reason this comes into uh, relevance is that the five of you have all descended upon Edgar's apartment. You'd all arrange with Edgar to meet him at half past seven on a Friday evening at his apartment. And the five of you have made your own way there. You don't really know each other. A couple of you may have passed each other in bars or taverns or in certain uh, streets or something. But I think you're quite a disparate lot. But either way, the five of you have come to his apartment building up the stairs to the top floor or maybe the lift. And the five of you have found yourself on a landing. And it's a big, big, big wide landing, three doors to your left. There is a quite nicely um, maintained door, red, uh, painted uh, with a doormat in front of it. In front of you is Edgar's room, and you know it's Edgar's room. It stinks. You can smell uh, oils and turpentines and smoke coming from behind it. And to your right is a smaller door where violin music is playing. But as the five of you get to the top, and you do that thing where you realise that halfway up the stairs, you're actually walking to the same place. Oh. But because most of us are British here, you don't talk about that until you get to your destination and it's quite awkward actually um, and then you realise you've all got to the same place and that's where you pretend that for the first time you've seen these people you've actually been following for like half an hour. So the five of you get to the top of the stairwell and the violin music stops. There's like a and then obviously the noise of steps coming to the door and then the noise of a cup being held against the door but quite badly, <laughs> you know, like you hear it scraping up the door like 
There's also muttering and slamming of doors coming from the one from the left. But Edgar's is the one directly in front of you. And this is the attic roof of a, of a right. like a, a apartment building, probably about four stories, one of those like old Edinburgh tenements, really solid built apartment building. You've walked past characters from Emil Zola's books going up and down the stairs on the way. Um, there you see a bit of cultural reference there. Uh, <laughs> and yes, you're at the very top of the building. Uh, what do you do? Or do you introduce yourselves? Do you awkwardly all shift around? If you allow me, madame, madame, gentlemen, uh, I'm going to get my big stick out and I'm going to rap on the door. Edgar, Mr. Edgar, got your paints. <laughs> Are you carrying <laughs> a lot of paints? <laughs> I've got some paint. <laughs> in, in your pocket or something. <laughs> there is no reply from inside. Uh, in fact, you, the slamming comes louder from the door to the left as if someone is coming out. Like, they realise, you, now you've made a bit of a racket that, that someone might be coming out. Uh, what do the other four of you do while Gubbins bangs on the door? I'm sort of like, oh, excuse me. Edgar, darling. Hello, it's me, Veronica, your muse. <laughs> there is no reply. Uh, Master Edgar, I have come to collect the portrait. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Excuse me, uh, here's Miriam Klumfus. Um, you may have heard of me from, uh, like, Mimi, Mimi who? This is Mimi who? We haven't uh, met uh, before, but people told me that I should come here to ask you uh, my question. So um, if you're interested, please, uh, I have a, a very important question for you. Uh, please get in line. We're all, clearly we're all here to see Edgar. So at the back, I think. You then hear quite a loud, Edgar! And the door to the left slams open and a very bustly, kind of large set old lady comes in, storms out of her apartment and says, are you not looking for Edgar? Um, yes, we are. Um, yes. What gave it away? <laughs> it was all the showing. Stop showing. All right, fair enough. Uh, Edgar, if you're behind the door, stand back. I kick it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. We come yes. to our first card draw of yes. the game. to kick it in. And I'm going to give this to Frank. Frank, okay. So I'll use, I'll use your names when I'm talking mechanics and then character names when we're in character. So Frank, let's find out. Does Angstrom kick in the door successfully? Oh, no. Yes, and there are grave consequences. <laughs> so what happens when Angstrom kicks in the door, please? Angstrom kicks the door and it falls inward and it falls <laughs> onto somebody who... I would guess that that person is probably Edgar, because in his hand, he is holding a series of brushes. Fantastic. Right, yes, that's exactly what happens. The door goes in, smash, there's a crack and a cry and a yelp as someone is crushed beneath it holding brushes. Before the five of you can act, the old lady bustles ahead, runs in and says, Edgar, you are three weeks late with my rent, and wrenches the door to one side. It is not Edgar. It is an old man. It's an old man who maybe was pilfering, because while he has the brushes in his hand, he also has some of other of Edgar's paintings rolled up in, in his coat and stuff. Um, he is knocked clean out. The door has knocked him straight out. You hear a oh, bloody hell from the door that's obviously <laughs> listening in to what's going on. Terribly sorry. Uh, I'll sort of move the door to one side very carefully. <laughs> it's not Edgar. Um, he's not Edgar. He's fully knocked out as well. well so I'm, I'm going to start looking for clues. I bet there's going to be some clues around here, which might be uh, in a silver or gold format. 
Right. So when you say you're looking for clues, you're trying to rob the place. <laughs> no clues. <laughs> okay. Is anyone here a doctor? I mean, the odds are one of us is bound to be a doctor. Like there's six of us here. Uh, um, I heard someone playing the violin, um, so somebody must be here with the violin. So maybe we should uh, look into the room with uh, with the music, where the music came from. You hear a oh, and then and the violin starts playing again. <laughs> that is strange. Well, I. I'm very good at giving the kiss of life. I can, I can certainly try. I'll sort of get down on my knee and I, I'll do a big mwah. And as I do, so my lips sort of like cartoony style sort of go and then like yeah, kiss him like on the cheek. Betty Boop style. Exactly, Betty Boop style. Okay, Kat, does Veronica bring Edgar back with the kiss of life? Or not Edgar. <laughs> or not Edgar, sorry, yeah. No. And rumour of Veronica's failure spreads. Oh, no. <laughs> so, the, the, so the beautiful butterfly just uh, lands on on uh, on the old man's lips uh, and it kind of gets stuck there in a slightly awkward way. <laughs> and, and we'll kind of watch, hoping that, that uh, the old man is going to come too. And there's a really awkward tumbleweed moment where he just lies there. And I'll, I'll get like a handkerchief out and just like, Prod it on his face. It takes, it doesn't always work. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fortunately, the old man is out. Gubbins, you found um, at least 50 pounds worth of more narcotics rather than gold and stuff, but you found a lot of good narcotics that you could probably shift on the market. Comsi, comsa. Uh, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, lady. Is it Olga? Hello. Oh, right. Uh, well, no, yeah, nice, nice, nice to meet you. Are you uh, Edgar's landlady then? I am, and he's late on the rent. Uh, where is he then? I've no fucking idea. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have my rent. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Well, uh, when did you last see him? Um, he is. And then she, she sort of pulls out a receipt and it just keeps going and going and going and going. Well, he last paid three weeks ago. You you have all seen him since then. Oh. So he has just been skipping out his rent for ages, basically. <laughs> <laughs> did he mention where he might have gone? No, he's probably out drinking, isn't he? That's his style. He'll be up the church hill drinking away. Drinking my rent away. Well, he did tell me to come here. And it's very uh, disrespectful of him not to keep his appointments. I, I thought he was a responsible young gentleman. No, you're thinking of a different Edgar then. He's an horrible little young man. A wanton slut. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> do, you, do you know if he has a, a boat or a plane or something like that? Oh, I wouldn't know that. Darling, I imagine. No, he's never mentioned a boat or a plane. I have to say, he's painted some, and she points and there's a picture of a, a boat <laughs> on the wall, and it looks beautiful, and it says "Live Alf Berlin" on it, <laughs> on the side of it. Hmm. My psychic sense uh, gives gives away that that this has this is for me. Oh, you're welcome to it. It's rubbish, isn't it? Modern art, rubbish. <laughs> um, if you see him, and she points at all of you, and Gives you that stare that you believe every word she says. Tell him to pay his rent or he's dead. And if he's already dead, does he still have to pay his rent? <laughs> no, tell me and I'll put his room back on the market. Right. Well, good for you. And with that, she shuffles out, grabs the old man by his legs. Says, Do you need this one? He might have some clues in his pockets. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, strip him naked and then you can have him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's find out if there's clues in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I wasn't planning a cavity search personally. Well, you know, it's that type of universe. I thought, uh, it, was, I thought it was the universal pocket, no? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fiona, you're yes. gonna have this one. All right. So are there clues to his whereabouts his pocket? Mm. If it's a yes, I can I can drop in some clues if you want. Yeah. Yes, but the character succeeds, but something unrelated go wrong for the oh. character or someone she cares about. <laughs> Okay, so as uh, I sort of looking through, there's various different bits of receipts and, and, and but there is clearly almost sort of like camera zooms in on a, a leaflet at the opening of a new art gallery happening today. Mm -hmm. The thing that goes wrong is your trousers also fall down, Gubbins, because you've got too much stuff <laughs> putting into you. <laughs> well, that is where I keep all my uh, clues. Yeah, all your paint. <laughs> <It's> just, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Very much that is is, is what happens. Uh, but yeah, you have found a receipt for, not a receipt, but an invitation to the opening yes. of an art gallery, uh, a place known as the Red Mermaid. It is an art gallery known as the Red Mermaid, and there'll be a show later on. Uh, this Later on this evening, though, like late, yes. late, because it's, you know, Scandinavia, yes. so no one gets up, goes out till midnight. All right, are you done with him? Yeah, I reckon. Olga grabs him by the legs and starts taking him outside, and you hear... Boom, boom, boom. As his head hits every step on the way down. So, you have a clue. You have a destination. Is there anything you want to do in Edgar's room or in the attic or anything? Or do you want to go and drink a little bit to spend, to kill time before the uh, before the opening of the gallery? Um, I, I sort of turn over to Mimi. So you said you wanted to go check uh, like the, um, the the where the music's coming from. Well, I I can help with that. We can we can get in there. We don't have to do um, our kind friends. Forceful, brutal enter. I can. There's a more subtle way to do that. Oh, that is uh, very good. Uh, very nice of you. Okay, but I, I, I like to take the picture uh, with me. Uh, the, the picture oh, with all the yours. If you don't mind. All yours. It's not as good as my picture. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll sort of go and where the um the door is. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I sort of face it, then turn mm -hmm. sideways because I'm two D and I want to get through the doorway. Or underneath it, sure. underneath it even. There you go. Yes. So you do a flat Stanley and yeah. <laughs> underneath it. Worm in. And it, yeah, you disappear in. The, the the rest of the four of you are like, that's what It's unsightly. It makes me feel very <laughs> queasy seeing this. Yeah, you pop up and in that room is a youngish man. That went all dad wrote a porn out there. Yeah. Uh, a young man. <laughs> a young man playing a violin, doing his best to look like he's very much in the zone, but he also keeps looking at the door. So he sees you coming in. And, you know, he, he, his room is pretty bare, pretty spartan. It's got a music stand, there's some music on it. There is a, a window behind him and there are lots of swirling colours and, and strange clouds going on behind the window behind him. And he plays and the moment you come in, he sort of goes, oh, oh my, and, and, and stops his violin quite jarringly. Before you chat to him... Yes. Oh, actually, I'm going to say, Mimi, it's you because you go into his room to take the, uh, the painting. You notice, uncharacteristically, on the back of one of his chairs is a bowler hat. You have never seen Edgar wear a bowler hat before. That 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 strikes you as odd. Yes, and it uh, attracts Mimi very much. She, li she likes that hat and uh, she likes to put it on. And uh, she uh, thinks she looks very fancy with that. As you do, you put it on and you hear the noise of two airplanes going past. Okay. <laughs> uh, Veronica. <laughs> uh, I sort of go, oh, hello, sorry. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt. Um, do, have you seen Edgar at all? We've got, a bunch of us are waiting for him. We've, we've got various projects and chores on, and I, I have to see him about my painting. So the man is is quite young. He's kind of caught in a fluster between a young lady being in his room, yeah, 
and also the fact you just took vented his room. So he's <laughs> half angry, but half trying to keep it together as well. Of course. Goes, oh, um, what? Sorry, who? Edgar. Edgar, your neighbour. I've not seen... And he starts talking almost as if you were a bit, like, slow. But I've not seen him. You've not seen your neighbour, Edgar? The, the no. famous painter? Do you not recognise me? No, sorry. And he comes towards you and says, uh, Eric, name's Eric. Oh, charmed. Charmed, Eric. I, I, yes. I don't... No, no, it's okay. Um, here, and I'll, I'll get out, like, a pen from a place... Yeah, <laughs> and write <laughs> the place which is the hyperspace of my bosom, and I'll pull yeah. out a pen and I'll I'll like autograph it in the air, and then it's sort of right, yes. Yeah, great, thank you. I'm not really into the funnies, but okay. Um, what? Uh, sorry, no, I haven't seen him. He's he's gone all strange. He's been very strange recently. Strange? Uh, in what yeah. way? Do your friends want to come in? Uh, sure. I, 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 uh, excuse me, and I'll yeah. flop, flop back out. <laughs> I go, um, he's willing to chat. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I, and I'll, I'll point to Armstrong. Uh, would you mind? Oh, I'll, I'll open the door. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's unlocked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it was open this whole time. I didn't have to flop in and out. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Just try doors occasionally. Oh. Um, there were no traps, so don't worry about it. Um, Eric is, yes, where he was. He's put his violin down now and he's sort of smoothing himself out a bit. And he's drying up a little bit more when he sees Mimi. He's a bit like, um, especially in the uh, bowler hat. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, um, Eric, Eric, uh, nice to meet you. Eric Zahn, nice to meet you all. And he, uh, he puts his, his hand out to, to shake your hand. Shake his hand back. Yes, if you shake his hand and uh, uh, Mimi grabs his hand and uh, pulls him a bit, a bit towards her and saying like, do you have any idea if there is a boat around here? <laughs> um, no, we're a bit high for boats. Um, you could try the docks. There's, there's, there's Blackwater Bay. They'll have boats. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a nautical person, I'm sorry to say. Ooh, ooh, okay. Oh, oh. Hmm. Edgar, you're looking for anyway. He's been hanging around with that Club Breton. Strange boys. A lot of whoring and smashing up taverns and, and paying people off and wearing strange white tuxedos. Kind of hang around those Churchillian lots. You know, th th those people. Now, you will all know this as residents of Itris by. The Churchillians are a strange cult uh, slash youth group slash um, hipster <laughs> movement of people who dress in rather, uh, in suits that make themselves look as big as possible, uh, smoke rather large cigars and wear bowler hats and guffaw and roar at each other in very loud, obnoxious ways. And then as the Churchillians, the bowler hat, Mimi, that you have picked up now makes sense that that looks like a Churchillian bowler hat. And Mimi takes off the bowler hat and is a bit scared of it. Uh, does it mean it's the head of the killer? No. Steady on there, love. I don't think he's dead. I think he's just drunk. He's he's okay. They they go for days on benders. They uh they just you know drinking and smoking and laughing and and being social and having friends. You know the bad things in life. Ooh. Not me. I've got my music. <laughs> the music of Eric Zahn. Nice. <laughs> but yes, I I know he hangs around the uh. What is it called? The paddle wheel. That's one of his favourites. He likes the barmaids there. The paddle wheel on Church Hill. Oh, Church Hill. Church Hill. I've just got that. I've lived here for 25 <laughs> years. I've just got that. He didn't mention anything new, anything he was up to. 
getting around with these ones. That's the problem, isn't it? And then he sits down. People with friends, they change. Not, not me, no friends. They adopt the social groups and they, they, they start sort of be acting, you know, all in together and not really thinking for themselves. Not like me, I'm a free thinker. Only facts and logic for me. Yes, uh, look for them, the Club Breton. They'll be able to sort you out. Why are then, Governor? Yes, I'm not a governor, but yes, thank you, little man. <laughs> right, off we pop then, unless any of you lot want to ask anything else. I think if we're going to be dealing with uh, Churchill's, we do need to stick together, go in numbers. Now, we all seem to be after the same thing, or at least the same person. Yeah, that makes sense. Steady on there. What are you suggesting? I think we should form a temporary alliance. Okay, a temporary sharing of... Uh... Uh, any profits that might come away to be negotiated on a uh, moment by moment oh, yeah. basis yeah negotiation do you think we should give ourselves a name <laughs> absolutely should give yourself a name a handshake uh, and a motto please uh, this is what you're discussing as you go down the stairs yep. you need to come up with a name a handshake and a motto please and i'm genuinely saying that now you do need to do that or the story's not going any further yes i can i can put my foot foot behind my head can you do that too (laughs) i must say you are very talented (laughs) you two should definitely be in the talkies (laughs) foot behind the head is it have we all agreed on that one as a secret handshake i I feel like veronica mimi can do that very well i don't know about the rest of the group (laughs) i attempt to do it (laughs) <laughs> angstrom goes down a few flights a yeah. bit too fast yeah <laughs> okay just a name and a motto please that that'll do yeah i passed an excellent post on the way here it just said poor bastards i quite enjoyed yes that. done <laughs> done poor bastards. that's good okay poor bastards and what's the motto that'll do <laughs> yeah yeah fine that'll do poor that, bastards that, that's that's the team name <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. I love it. You step out onto the street of downtown Itrus. Now, this is the centre of the city. It's kind of where a lot of the work goes on, a lot of clerks, a lot of the uh, bankers. And, you know, imagine the, the city of London in the sort of, I mean, the city in London, lots of financial stuff happening. But as it was about seven o'clock, I think, when you met up, long days because um, trade unions haven't got their way yet. So unfortunately, it's long days and the buildings are closing up and the clerks and all the workers are piling out onto the street. I mean, th- this area is a bit more of a, like higher class kind of thing, upper class, and they are piling out of the street and then going into various bars and cafes or pubs and then doing that thing that's really particular to London where there's loads of seats inside the pub, but for some reason everyone stands outside the pub, <laughs> despite the fact they're paying £6 for that privilege to stand outside the pub when there's seats inside the pub. It's a London thing, it's very strange. Very uh, but it's also an interest thing as well. Uh, however, you... Well, where do you want to go? You've got plenty of time to kill at this point. Well, I guess the, the club sounds like the thing. The club, was it Brent, you said? Uh, Breton, I, I think it was. Brent, yeah. It, it, sounded, it sounded vaguely interest-esque. Yes. Well, I, I suggest there, if the if the, the opening of the Red Mermaid's not till later, maybe there, maybe a quick, well, maybe there's an open mic night or something. Toss, toss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that means you, you can sing, but uh, when, you, when you are on the stage, maybe you can ask uh, if anybody has seen uh, Edgar. Maybe this is a big audience. I thought you were going to ask, could you join me on stage? And I said, I will ask. But I should also ask about Edgar as well. I can definitely do that. I, yes, when you, when you mention it, I'm absolutely a born stage person. I, I can see that. 
um I, I, you are my new best friend oh you know i did not okay <laughs> arm and arm yeah. down the street best friends forever <laughs> you two look beautiful together I thought, do, do you need a pa because because i'm quite good at that like let's, i, I like let's, things let's, let's stick to the plan and find edgar it's very important we find edgar so um but, oh right yes there was a plan i forgot oh oh yeah focus so churchill is going to be the place where the gallery is the paddled wheel is which is the uh, the bar that he's been hanging out in and probably the headquarters of the breton club if they have a headquarters can i have a chance card, please. You absolutely can oh, have no. a chance card. So, as you resolve on your plan to head out to Churchill, because I'm pushing you along, I can't fudge this one. Drunk. The characters are suddenly all drunk. Uh, how does this predicament affect their actions and words? In the next scene, they may have sobered up. Just to set this up, though, what happens is you step out onto the street, mm-hmm. the, the title card comes up that says, to find Edgar, and then it cuts, and you see the five of you filing into a pub, and then there's, like, a, a wibble-wobble, and then the five of you file out of the pub, and you're all, yeah, a little bit of piano music plays, and the five of you are a bit merry, but you're still planning to go to Churchill. So the five of you stagger out a little bit wasted at this point. There's definitely the, the drunk bubbles drawn around Veronica and a pop. Yeah. Maybe a pink elephant or two floating around her head. <laughs> all right, yeah. And then I guess we sort of stumble as quick as, well, at what we think is a quick pace, but presumably all over the street to the paddle wheel. If, if it helps, I was probably already drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when going up to see yeah. Edgar. <laughs> Yeah, so there's no like, noticeable change as far yeah. as anyone's concerned. <laughs> I think Veronica and Mimi are definitely arm in arm, belting out hits of the of the follies and the cabarets oh. kind of thing, you know. Thousand <laughs> percent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, any any subtlety or any sort of sneaking with it, it where we a lot of attention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Mimi's <laughs> doing these like German Berlin songs and you're singing Whoops Mrs. Where's My Meringue and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> I did not know you could do that with a martini glass. <laughs> I think I found my boat here. This is a very shaking, and, and and I feel like I feel like we are actually here on high high sea, high on the ocean. And oh, I think I there was a seagull somewhere, Ooh. somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> how's how's Woodhouse? Is he doing that drunk where you're quite reserved drunk? <laughs> Uh, much like Angstrom, you can't tell that he's drunk. He mm-hmm. he keeps his his profile and his mannerisms all remain exactly the same. You wouldn't know that he had over imbibed in stout. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've always got to keep up that the appearance, haven't you? That's the uh, the key to it. That's great. Um, so we cut, and you're at the paddled wheel. So thankfully, you were drunk. You've now sobered up, except for Angstrom. Um, at which point you enter a bar. Uh, so good timing. Uh, now, the paddle wheel is renowned. I'll say you swung by the Breton Club itself on the way. Um, however, it was empty. As you approached it, it's one of these buildings, red, big red brick building with steps leading up to it, almost like a mason lodge kind of thing. But the door was smashed in and there was someone cleaning it up. And they just said, yeah, they've already gone out for the night. And then you notice the smashed champagne bottles and red wine and like just people everywhere, like a real sense of chaos and kerfuffle. But this person's just acting like, yeah, this is that, that's them starting a night out. It's like a rugby club 
but so you decided to make your way to the paddle because that's the best place to go before the Red Mermaid opens. So you get there around nine o'clock and the paddle wheel is kind of the pre-drinks place. This is the place where you get loaded to get onto the next place. And it's very studenty, very um, art schooly, art students, piles of them everywhere. Because they're students, you can quite easily just push them out the way and get to the bar or get into a booth. So you're able to find it, but there's a there's a buzz, there's a vivant, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Uh, there's smoke in the air. There are various people laughing and shouting. And there's a group of students who was obviously like Freshers Week and have all got to know each other, but they're all just talking at the same time at each other really loudly and normally. <laughs> and there's also a couple at the bar who should be buying rounds, but they don't know each other, so they're not buying rounds. So they're like putting out little coins. Oh. Sorry, I work with students. Uh, and they're putting out coins and they're, they're you know, just like, could one of you just buy the round rather than buying them individually? this is going forever but yes you you what do you want to do the five of you step in right so, so I, i'm going to clear a path for, for these uh fine ladies and fine gentlemen so i'm going to sort of tap my stick on the ground and sort of barge a, a path to the bar opening it up for everybody else nice good work excuse me one side one side coming through uh, and mimi is still hanging on veronica's arms is like did you become such a big star i mean look everybody is looking at you how how did you become so famous oh, it's just the way i'm drawn that's all it is it's just pure star quality <laughs> encapsulated <laughs> it's just all natural <laughs> don't so darling you have a different style of quality honestly so you, you could put a leg behind your head that's the start for sure i can put two oh. behind my leg and uh, i can show you oh, if well, you find me a table i show you uh, Okay. <laughs> okay, so is there a table available for Mimi to show this off? Uh, who hasn't? Um, have, I, have I questioned? John, have you done one yet? Uh, no, not yet. Brilliant. You can, so the question is, is there a table available for Mimi to show her party trick? <laughs> if not, I'll be clearing one for that. Uh no, not only is there not a table, something unrelated also goes wrong. So what happens? What what what's the incident? So yeah, there is there there, there is no table. Uh, mm -hmm. and at this point in time, an alarm goes off and, and all the tables turn around and turn into gambling equipment. Uh, <laughs> as if it's some sort of reverse speakeasy situation. Yeah. Like suddenly gambling is now suddenly allowed. And there yeah. are no tables for anyone to put drinks down on. Any drinks are where they're flung into the air uh, as they flip over into various casino-type tables. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. The, one of the barmaids rings a bell, and obviously, like, there's an hour, like, there's, like, a time thing, and then, yes, yeah, suddenly they all flip over, and croupiers appear, and, uh, in fact, yeah, and all the and Mimi, you would just have to get up on one, and then, you sort of go over. Um, <laughs> And but now there is no room because money is involved, so there's no way you're getting allowed on a table. This was good. <laughs> you can show us later, darling. What once we find Edgar? I'm sure Edgar would love to see your oh yes. I heard Edgar is a is a gambling master. Mm. And isn't Armstrong he's isn't he famous for for betting? Oh yes, I've uh, I've never been into a, a gambling situation and never not bet. That's a terrible sentence, but it makes sense. <laughs> Oh, we should send Angstrom as our strongest uh, better force. In I am the most experienced better you've you ever seen. <laughs> right, Angstrom, you can bet on there's monkey racing. There's also monkey paddle boarding. They're the two things that are suddenly taking bets. Uh, which one would you like to put money on? Monkey racing. Monkey yeah, racing. I'm, I'm a classicist. <laughs> <laughs> 
of this <laughs> modern variant fangle like stuff. Fantastic. Does anybody want to look for Edgar? <laughs> does, does, does <laughs> After this, we do. I'm sorry, Rob, there's flavour text now. Yeah, yeah. you've this yeah. now to yourself. Um, we're going to find out whether Angstrom wins any money on the bet or not. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to pull out all the no cards. <laughs> I'll bet on uh, number number seven, um, Washed by Pots. Washed by Pots. That's the monkey I'm betting on. Okay, so we're going to find out, does Washed by Pots win the monkey race? And uh, if I win, I'll get myself a drink. And if I lose, I'll buy everyone around in the bar. Oh, bloody hell. So does Angstrom win? Uh, Kat, you're going you're gonna to do this one. Right, you are. No, <laughs> but you learn something important. So Angstrom, you do lose the bet and you have to buy everyone around. But during either the betting or going to the bar, you find out something important. Kat, what does Angstrom find out? Or what do you learn in general? He loses the bets and there's a huge... Around the bar, as everyone realizes that they're getting a free drink, uh, and and uh, we're going to go up to get get the get the drinks, uh, and um, we're going to celebrate with Edgar's special drink, and I'm going to get it off uh, the the barmaid that I know always always serves him. I'm going to invoke my dramatic quality as well that that I have this fabulous address book, and I know so so many people in the city, so yeah. I, I happen to know this barmaid. Um, yeah. we, we've um, she served me a lot of booze before, yes. so I'm going to ask her about Edgar and get and get the down low. Sure, I'll, I'll pull out one of the NPCs they provided. Her name is Matilda. She's a sweet redhead with discreet freckles and a less discreet bosom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Gobbins. I sound just like that, lad, baby. Only got one voice. What's she doing here? Yeah. It's nice to see you and the girls again. Yeah, what are you doing ordering Edgar's drink? Oh, Edgar. She sort of says, and there's a, oh, oh, Edgar. <laughs> well, um, yeah, have you seen Edgar recently? Oh, not for days. He's been hanging around with those Bretons, but apparently he's abandoned them. Too, too raucous for them, is what they said. Oh, look. And then she points to the door, and the door flies open, and into it enters a group of five students, and these are your ultimate rugby union slash Bullingdon club members who come in roaring and hurrahing and harumphing um sort of all and they come in, in the middle of a song which is about a, a one-eyed maiden or something um and they, they all burst in um and they they do that bar wench five of your finest beers please really obnoxiously and then find themselves a, a, a booth to sit in they're not causing trouble. They're just really annoyed. They're just that type of weird song. Um, and they sing, you know, they sing, rah, rah, the boat is good. And, you know, stupid songs about boats. Um, <laughs> and uh, Matilda says, well, that's them there. That's the Club Breton. Not quite earned their cigars, if you know what I mean. You don't know what she means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear love. But if you want to spit the drinks like usual, I'm up for it. Oh, yeah, will do. And she ducks behind the county hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she comes back with five. Would you mind taking my cross, darling? No charge for your beer if you do. <laughs> Gorgeous, darling. Not a problem. Anything for you? No. No, you're so sweet. I wish I could find a man like you, Gobbins. <laughs> but you know what? Like, you can find a man exactly like no. me. I'm, no. I'm you're like oh, a brother the, to me. Oh, what, no. <laughs> you're like a brother. No, you are. You're, you're like a brother to me. <laughs> 
I've seen that panto. Don't <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. That's yeah. coming. Still, I'll take your drinks, eh? Thank you. Oh, Edgar. Uh, right, what are the four of you doing while, well, three of you, because Mimi's picking herself up off the floor, picking chips out of her head. <laughs> what is Woodhouse, Angstrom and Veronica doing, please? We are trying to reason with Angstrom and understand, uh, explain the tenets of betting to him. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think, Angstrom, you've lost your coat at this point. You're down to your, your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is for one good roll of the dice and i will win everything back it's very simple it's basic economics woodhouse i think you need to understand the principles of probability events are independent and just because you've lost countless times in a row does not mean that you're going to win the next one and yet this monkey with the pots on its head will come good someday <laughs> i I know they. I, I know they. Like you know, basically taken him away, but he'll win. Yes, you hear a gunshot and the sound of a monkey squawking in the back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for inspiration. <laughs> Uh, Veronica, what are you doing? Um, as Woodhouse is sort of reasoning with Anstrom, I'm sort of looking around. I clock eyes uh, with what Gubbins is doing and stuff, and I, I sort of like, like my time to shine, and I'll sort of go through and again 2D my way through various groups yes. and, and come and help Gubbins essentially as I see that's the sort of the next sort of uh, area to go essentially so I'm like oh. brilliant yeah, so I, I'm clearly struggling a bit with the drinks so I'm gonna see so if I can get some of my new compatriots come and give me a hand with all these glasses yeah and they're all those comically oversized frothing ale flagons most of the froth is Matilda's spit to be fair oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> don't drink it love <laughs> yeah. I can't <laughs> I, I, I get my fingers and the way they wrap round it's like it's oh, horrible like because yeah. they're all 2D it's like <laughs> oh, I don't like that um, okay you get to the table just as they finish off a rousing rendition of I don't know my old man is a shaved ape um, <laughs> it's, it's good stuff yeah my old man's a shaved ape and who is also a dustman it's not a very good time. is it that bits in brackets uh, yeah, they finish off a round. Mimi, you pick yourself up and you collect yourself. Um, Woodhouse, Angstrom is not listening to reason, but you've managed to sort of get him away from the tables, I'm going to say. Um, but Angstrom, you are like throwing money and trying to signal who you want to bet on as you as you are moved away from the table. You're doing those, you know, um, at, at horse racing, you've got the people doing the, the, yeah, the jockey signs. You're doing that as you're being led away, basically. But nobody <laughs> understands what's going on. <laughs> All right, you get to the table. Oh, hello, beer for us. There's a lot of finaring and braying. That's right, my my lovelies. Edgar's special beverage. Edgar. They all start making a noise at each other. That's sort of almost a half a joke between them. They all sort of start laughing. Edgar, what a what a gentleman. What a monster. <laughs> Well, that sounds like a story I would like to hear. Uh, beers all around, lads. Come on, tell us a story. One of them uh, dips his head into the foam and is like, lovely, lovely stuff. And you can you can see, you know, it just dripping on his face. Um, bang the glasses together, do an incomprehensible cheer that goes on for ages. Um, and then they all neck it, bang it down and say, well, Edgar. Which one was Edgar? And they all sort of... He was, and you realise they're all kind of acting as one. They're a weird, almost like um, conglomerate of people. It's like six, and they're all, they're all coming together. So, Edgar, um, 
Yeah, wild fellow, artist. Right, very talented, very talented with the brush, yes. Absolute monster, could not keep up with him. Um, terrible fellow, in fact. Is he terrible? I don't know. But monster, monster, cost us a lot of money in vomit and broken tables. Oh, well, that, that sounds absolutely awful. I'll lean forward on the table, like, in between. So, that sounds absolutely terrible. I don't suppose you know where he is. We all, we all would like to see him. Apparently there's a big opening tonight at the Red Mermaid. Well, yes, big, big opening, yes. Um, anyway, um, yes, I, uh, I believe... Well, where did we last leave him? It was about two days ago, I believe, yes, yes. We left him at the Blue Dragon. Yes, the Blue Dragon. Gubbins, you know the Blue Dragon. The Blue Dragon is an opium den in one of the uh, darker areas uh, between Churchill and Black Bay, mm. which is the, uh, the dock, the dock area. Yes, he went in there and um, we he, he was with an old fellow, an old man who sort of, like, took him in there and we thought, well... Uh, we don't want any part of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so we left. Uh, these people, by the way, are about 18, 19. They're just all speaking like. All, all at the of, same time. Yeah, all at the same time. Very grumbly old man. Sorry, sorry an old, older gentleman. But you didn't want yes. any part of it. What, what, was, what, was, what was peculiar about this uh, older gentleman? Strange man. Very strange eyes. He, uh, he, yes, old, he had paintbrushes and some paintings with him and he grabbed. Edgar and said, we're friends now, and he'd taken him into the into the Blue Dragon with his own pipe, a double-ended thing, double-headed thing, even. Yeah, I've had some hallucinations like that in the Blue Dragon myself. <laughs> they, all, they all guffaw and then look at their empty glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's terribly interesting. Must be going. <laughs> Does anyone want to see me put my foot behind my head? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do. I, <laughs> I think no, we do. Everybody's leaving. I think we I do. Think, I think what happens is a placard comes up that just says Mimi puts her legs behind her head. <laughs> and then it cuts down again and you're outside. <laughs> All the men are like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that. But we do not see anything. That, that happens very off camera. <laughs> But yes, that occurs. And you're outside. You're back in Churchill. Now it's getting later. You know that the Blue Dragon is a little bit away from Churchill. It's between here and the, the docks. You're not going to be able to make it to both the gallery and the Blue Dragon itself. So where, and you can discuss this as players as opposed to characters, do you think you should head next? Well, um, Mimi is having a, one of her psychic moments, and uh, she is saying, I take a chance card, please. Oh, nice. Okay, here we go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is actually one that I'm going to give to you, Mimi. At any point, um, just shout the word boom and describe the consequences of the explosion, please. So at any point, you have in hand an explosion to deploy. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay. And Mimi has that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, just at any Why point. not me? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it's just the blast doesn't have to be lethal, in brackets. <laughs> I'm um, glad you said that now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, yeah, hold on to that, and at some point, just shout boom, and uh, there'll be an explosion, and then we'll work out what happens. Okay. All right, so... The Blue Dragon or the Mermaid? The Red Mermaid. Well, that's what, what a bit of... That's fun. The Red Mermaid or the Blue Dragon? Uh, uh, well, I, I, I 
I think we, we should go to the, to the um, Blue Dragon uh, because an art gallery is very boring. <laughs> if anyone's going to be out of it for a few days, then surely an opium den instead of in an art gallery? Good enough reasons, any. <laughs> if it's the last place we saw him. I prefer the colour blue over the colour red, so yeah, I'll go with that as well. <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. So... You head out. So this is this is almost at the bottom of the church hill, heading towards the docks. It all gets a little bit seedier here. This is where it all gets a bit rougher. Gubbins, I think you take the lead a little bit because you're you're sort of used to this area. Woodhouse, you've got your best pugilistic uh, training ready to go. I've got to imagine that you are a, a pugilist at heart as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Angstrom, you're doing that thing because you're also quite drunk and annoyed now because you lost all your money of talking <laughs> a bit loudly about people as you go past them, and it's just a bit like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as you make your way to the Blue Dragon, this is a building that's very much like a old wooden pagoda lit by paper lanterns, really, you know, that stereotypical style opium den you can imagine from the films. It lies where Church Hill and the Black Bay intersect. There is a huge bar uh, doorman who um, you'd swear might be a gorilla who's shaved. It's done very well. It's very classy. It's very classy. <laughs> um, and he looks at the five of you and sort of like takes just a quick look and then nods at Angstrom and just says, has he had too much? Yes. <laughs> That's my response. Well, he has to wait outside then. Only people who can pay and behave can come in. <laughs> too much of life, he means. Too much of life. He's very sad inside. That's why he's cheering up. Look, why don't you go and ask my, my lady inside, Fen Chen Wu. She, she's a beautiful lady, lovely lady. She knows me very well. She, she, I'll vouch for him. It's, he's fine. All right. He does. He goes in. Heads in. You're very convincing, Gubbins. <laughs> and he comes back out and says, yeah, I should have known it was you, Gubbins. You love me. Everybody loves Gubbins. And, uh, <laughs> we, we, we need to have another drink sometime, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, Gubbins. <laughs> and uh, opens the door. He is not having much of your crap. Uh, he opens <laughs> the door to, to guide guide the five of you in. Inside, it is a sort of it's one big room, really, and there's bunks where people are smoking opium. Because it's a little bit different and uh, surrealistic here what people smoke and think about actually appears in the smoke oh. so you see people's dreams and stuff appearing and twisting around that sometimes one person will be having a dream someone else will be having another and they intersect with each other and sort of spin around there are literal people chasing a dragon in one corner or running around <laughs> in one booth that's empty there's an empty bit everyone sits or sits and lies down there is a double headed pipe that's, that's just there, but no one is smoking it. It's just been left there. And a couple of the uh, staff are walking around. So the girls that are working there wave at you, Gubbins, like, like a little teehee, uh, <laughs> and walk around. The five of you automatically start feeling a little bit lightheaded, to say the least, just being around so much opium smoke. Does it look like that double-ended pipe has been lit or recently lit? It's got ash in it. It's more like a sort of shisha pipe rather than like, so it's, it's one with two, you know, two um, spouts on it, basically. Yeah, it looks like it's got ash in it. But Mimi still has the hat on and she hears these airplanes again and yes. takes off the head and looks inside. And It's only very occasionally that you'll hear that and you'll hear... Just occasionally you'll hear that. <laughs> like a very mumbly voice. Oh, my God. What voices? Oh, never surrender. 
Uh, just like that, just very odd and muffled. Like, a, like an old timey wimey radio announcement, I guess. Yes, yes, <laughs> that sort of like it. Wait, it comes in and out a little bit. Strange, very strange. I sort of wander around and uh, just shout quite loudly, Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar! <laughs> the, the noise of Angstrom's voice is more shocking than normal, the loudness. You realise that, like, no one's really talking in here. There's giggling and there's moaning and stuff, but no one is talking. So to just have this man just bellow, Edgar! Edgar! <laughs> and a couple of the men working there sort of run up to you and like, Sir, sir, Do you know where Edgar is? <laughs> <laughs> outside, outside. He's outside. No. <laughs> they sort of try and drag you out a little bit by by the cuffs. Oh, I'll be happily dragged by them. Like, yeah, you know, I won't resist. Okay. <laughs> yes. Happily. The other four of you, are you gonna are you gonna follow? Or are you just gonna let Angstrom get taken out and beaten? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> um, I'm gonna look at a couple of the dreams. You said it's pretty. I want to yeah. see if there is like a a I don't know a version of Edgar that's in a dream somewhere <sighs> that he's if he's got taken away in one of the dreams and that's why he's not here oh that's a good idea um oh do you know what yeah that's what these are for yep. yeah is yeah. there and frank i'm gonna get you to describe this one it does veronica the question is does veronica see edgar in a dream and the answer is yes <gasps> the character succeeds but the consequences of success are completely different from what was expected oh so while Veronica sees Edgar, she doesn't see him being taken away or abducted or anything. What does she see Ed happening to Edgar? And you can go wild on this. Okay, so she spots in the corner a dream that is particularly vivid, which contains Edgar. Edgar is doing the can-can on the stage with uh, a series of other two-dimensional female characters. He is dressed up in drag. It is at the Red Mermaid after the art exhibition. That's what you see. That is the dream that you see. Oh, he's been cheesy on me with other two-dimensional... <laughs> I'm, I'm beside myself, quite literally. <laughs> there, there, my love. I'm sure you're his favourite two-dimensional character. <laughs> Big tears start filling up. <laughs> I love an handkerchief. There, there, miss. <laughs> like horrible <laughs> um, tales old as time um angstrom you are dragged out into the streets but you are you are respectfully no edgar hasn't been here since yesterday he came in with his, his old man companion didn't he ah yes the old man who can easily be knocked out by having a door in his face i don't know what you mean about that but i don't i think that would knock most people out sir did edgar leave a package behind for me my name is angstrom no he didn't leave anything he just got up and ran and then the old man sorted afterwards. I say sorted, he sort of stumbled out afterwards. And if I were to point in the direction, could you tell me if that was the direction he ran in? I'll just point randomly until he say yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they wait, and they wait, and they are probably like, yes, that way. In fact, Excellent. Isn't that him there? And as you look down the street, you see your friend Edgar, and he sort of sees you as you see him, but he's come around the corner and he does that. <laughs> back around the corner <laughs> and just sort of disappears. Oh, uh, I will uh, shout very loudly, Edgar's outside! <laughs> you said that before! <laughs> no, honestly, he's outside. Vouch me, lads. 
<laughs> and before you hear that, what do you? How do you react? I'm going to Benny outside. Yeah, if, if uh, Gubbins is going, I, probably dragging out a very, uh, very tear-sodden sort of Veronica. Uh. <laughs> well, I think what happens is you, you sort of like are crumpled up, so Gubbins just rolls you up and grabs you. And <laughs> Brings you. me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and you went like a full towel, be- full Betty Boop tears, just like shh. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring out the trousers. Mimi still has her head in her head and trying to listen, but she hears Edgar, and then she's like, "Okay, I'm coming, I'm coming." Put the hat back on, like put the hat back on, and running mm. outside. Uh, Woodhouse <laughs> just patiently follows them out, quite respectful. You open the door for us. <laughs> you like nod. Yeah, right. You get out there, and Angstrom is a babbling mess pointing down the street, saying, Edgar, Edgar, Edgar. There's a Nicolas Cage way, but losing it a little bit. After him, Gubbins, do you you take off fast as lightning? Yeah, grease lightning, round corner, smack bag into. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'd all follow, like almost like a uh, like a huge chase of this yeah. various <laughs> groups. Mimi's doing some flick flacks, you know. Absolutely. Some... <laughs> yeah. So very old side view. It was all like. Yeah, uh, the, the background starts like repeating itself yeah. as you run because we've got a certain <laughs> yeah. amount. And the plays as you go. I am side view though. If we're doing that shot, because I'm, I'm you can't see me because I'm too deep. Yes. So I have to side view. Running. Yeah, you're like side saddling on your run. Yeah, and you chase the figure of Edgar down through streets. Round and round and round, till eventually you chase him a bit out, going a little bit out of town, towards the more sort of overgrown forestry area. There's rather large parks, kind of almost like natural areas that have been have been let let to grow. And you're heading to what you know is the Park of Tears. Now, the Park of Tears is a very special place in Mitchell's B. Um, it's a source of fresh water. It is quite high. It's a park up on a hill. So as you run up, as you run, you're running up. And it's definitely a long shot where you see the silhouettes of you running up the hill. And it's very close to where the moon is. And the moon is very much that, not Jules Verne, uh, the, oh, what, the, the the Fingy brothers who did the Lumiere brothers style, yes, style. And there's a face in the moon and they're crying and the tears are running down the moon and then into the, into a sort of like almost like a lake at the top of the park. And that runs through a series of water down into the main city. And that's most people's water supply in Itrus. And as you get to the gates, Edgar disappears into the darkness and the five of you are stuck there. What do you do? What's the plan? Abacare here, folks. You got one one misstep. Uh, I could see it at the bottom of the pond, right? Yeah, so uh, careful where we go. Uh, Engstrom, um, I'm sorry. Why did you yell at him? You should have just talked to him. and, and uh, You scared him away. You, it's your fault that he ran. I accept that, and I am sorry, but he, he scared me. Like I, I felt like a rabbit, and he, he was like a, a moose. It was. <laughs> I just, was he? <laughs> yes, he was like right at the corner, and like it was like huge eyes, and I had two feet. It was all very confusing. Well, um, <laughs> Mimi stamps on the on the floor and says, "I don't, I don't believe you, Angstrom. I think, I think you are you are um, antagonist here. You, oh. you know, you know, you are you are you are you are fraud." I. I prostrate myself before thee, 
and I will. I would ha I would give you my coat if I hadn't already lost it betting on some monkey. <laughs> no, this is this is good enough argument for me. And, but uh, but I, I, I want you to to prove, and I want to to show me a proof that you are on our side. I yes, I give me some sort of um, uh, test or evaluation. Uh, do you have like a some sort of card. <laughs> Maybe we can pull a card. Chance. Yeah. Here we go. Right. This is based on Angstrom, though, because Mimi, you're, you're already yeah. holding a bomb. <laughs> oh, um, God. <laughs> the character's most beautiful thought comes to fruition. What is it? Angstrom, what do you think about? And then does that appear? Does it happen? What is your most beautiful thought? And I think you're going to piss off at least one person with this. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, my most beautiful thought is of a six-inch-tall clockwork ballerina uh, dancing uh, the Nutcracker Suite as if they're being held by a, a figure made of smoke from arm to arm. And that is what you you hear as you're as as you are um, protesting your innocence to Mimi. You start hearing the Nutcracker Suite on like a ding 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 ding. ding if that's the Nutcracker Suite, um, from, thank you uh, from behind a bush. And there is a smoky arm, no rest of body, but holding the ballerina. That's unexpected. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's very dark in the park, well, I can... Um, and I sort of get out, I, I sort of turn around my dress, because it was black before, and I switch around, and it's like uh, sequins in the light right. of the moonlight. Yes, yes. You suddenly are like a shining, strictly come dancing beacon in, in the, the air uh, yeah, yeah yeah all you're like oh um yes and you become a leaker and you light up a path ahead of you where the bushes have obviously been knocked away by someone running and you can you can follow edgar's trail uh through the bushes let's let's go let's proceed with caution on you go with veronica literally being the torch at the front mm -hmm. and angstrom just like i think this has sobered you up of everything that has happened, this has sobered you up, <laughs> just like full on. You make your way through the park, down past bushes, past trees, jumping over logs and frogs and rats and cats. And eventually you come to a clearing within the tree. And there's a small cabin, very low lights coming from the inside. So not enough that you really would have to be quite close to see it. And in fact, Veronica, your dress overpowers the lights of this of this cabin. It's like small rough wood shack. And it's almost like a ruddy red light from inside. And there are curtains pulled over. So you're only just getting the barest amount of light from inside it. And it looks like Edgar's footsteps run into, into this uh, shack. That is the smallest cabin I've ever seen. I don't think a human being could actually fit inside that cabin. <laughs> could they? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a bet to me. I'm going to try to get into the pool. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Angstrom, you've taken the bet. Yeah. You, you always lose your bets, don't you? I do. How, that is how do you, much. How do you fail to get in the cabin? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to open the door and probably do it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tell me what happens. Um, As you go to the door to open it up. I go to open the door. I attempt to pull the door very hard. Um, and uh, basically, the door, do door opens, but there's another door behind it that I can't <laughs> seem to open. Excellent. Yes, you open the porch door kind of thing. You're like, ha! And then, yeah, there's a solid metal door 
behind that with one of those little slits which opens as you open the wooden door in front of it and a pair of eyes pop out to you and go away and then close again oh i start walking away very slowly <laughs> uh, i think anstrom should try and kick the door in again after the great success of of last time yes or, or maybe we can uh, we can shift mo mo veronica underneath or through the this I'm still recovering from my. Sh <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, my no, dear. No, no, no. I, I don't mind to, please. <laughs> well, if if you ladies and gentlemen wouldn't mind uh, averting your gaze just for one minute while I exercise my uh, not considerable talents. We all still stare. And I'm going to start shuffling around in my trousers. I've, oh right! I, oh no! <laughs> I avert my gaze. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that'd do it. Gazes are averted. <laughs> right, I'm going to pull out a set of tools and start jimmying in the lock. Yeah. Okay. Now let's see if you are successful. So what I'm going to do here, this is not a mechanic in it's just be, but I'm going to rob it. I'm going to rob it from the greatest RPG of all time. Dungeons and Dragons, it's not. It's not. Um, but I'm going to use effectively advantage. I'm going to pull two cards and let you pick Ooh. what the result is. However, I'm going to let... Mimi, you haven't done one for a while, no, have you? Yes. No. Okay. So the results are, yes... They get what they want, but only if they choose to make a sacrifice. <gasps> or a maybe. The character ends up understanding that they need help of someone not currently around to achieve this aim. So what would you prefer? The second one. No, they, okay. they, it's, it's not opening. So yeah, uh, the five are standing there and wonder how this door cannot be opened by the strong Armstrong or the very thin Veronica of the talented Gervins. So they look at each other. Suddenly, Mimi hears in her head, boom. <laughs> yes. Now, oh, this no. is one of the doors. Maybe you should have checked the traps because as you're fiddling with your lockpick, you trigger something and the door suddenly explodes outwards, uh, taking out a gubbins. You're just stood there and there's like, in the air, there's the lock with your lockpick still in it, and the rest of the door's gone, and you're like black smoke with yeah, my yeah, hair up. <laughs> but yes, that is exactly what happens. There is an explosion, and the door is opened, and behind it is a very scared, also soot black and shocked looking Edgar, who just goes, What the hell was that? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Who are you? <laughs> Right, I'm just going to reach out and try and grab his, uh, his shirt. Oi! Ow! He says. Edgar! I'm not... Who the hell is Edgar? You're Edgar. We've been looking for you all night. I'm not. Who, who are you then? Do you have a boat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... Is Edgar the name of... Is that a young man? Looks like this. He's an artist. He's painting. He's He has... Paint everywhere. He, he physically drew me. <sighs> the... Oh, darling, he drew you. I know, He's that's good. why so beautiful. As you look at this guy, you realise he has very old-looking eyes. He also has green eyes. Edgar has blue eyes. I, oh, is, is he, yeah, quite young-looking? Uh, yeah, does he go to the Blue Dragon? Yes. As we right. discovered tonight, yes. Yeah, he'll be in town somewhere. Look for an old, old man, that'll be him. So if you're not Edgar, then who are you exactly? I'm the Great Ramunja. I'm sure you know who that is. None of you have heard of the Great Ramunja. No, no. 
magician, rabbits, hats, tricks, rummunger. I grew up in a carnival. I, I should have heard of you if you are famous. <laughs> well, well, who are you? My name is Miriam Klumpfus. <gasps> Mimi who? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, very nice to meet you. Yeah, um, you should let me know who your agent is. Uh, you know, the, the great Ramunja is always in need of work. But yeah, your friend, we swap bodies, we made a deal, blah, 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 magic, blah, 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 psychic powers, blah, 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 double-headed hookah pipes. And he's an old man now in the city, and it's fine. And he agreed, and it's fine. It's absolutely fine. There's no no regrets on either party's side. So I will ask you to replace my door and then leave, please. I don't think it's going to happen quite like that, mister. It seems to me like you've uh, stolen my friend's body. No, he agreed. I have it in writing. And he pulls out a bit of paper, and it's like the worst scrawled. Like, it's a contract, but it's really bad. And the signature of Edgar is what you all recognise as, like, an inked pit face stamp of Edgar, like, slammed into the uh, into the bit of paper. And you actually notice there are bits of ink on this guy's face. Yeah, look, see, he signed it. So it's my body. So, mm, sorry. So he's above board. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Veronica's eyes have been, like, going back and forth, almost like a comedic sort of thing. She goes, this will not do. Reaches into bosom, pulls mm -hmm. out from the space a gun. <laughs> <laughs> now, you give back Edgar his body. He's he needs that body to paint and draw art. I and then I look back to Anstrom and go, I think he's still at the flat. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, yeah, all right. Uh, you don't need to bring a gun. That's a bit much, isn't it? Okay, okay. As you, as you, as you put wave the the gun, which is getting like longer. It's proper cartoony, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out! She is gonna fire. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. Uh, okay, look. We'll go back. Could you find me someone else I could swap into? My old body's not what it was. It'd be quite useful. No. Oh. <laughs> You're stuck no, no, here no. like Erasmus, you evil bastard. <laughs> oh. Well, wait. Yeah, fair enough. No, wait, <laughs> All wait, right. wait, no, no, no. Oh. And I turn back to Gobins. Remember that those chaps at the uh, at the at the paddle wheel. Maybe they'd be interested. Oh, yeah, and they weren't really using them. Were. <laughs> Not for anything good. Good idea, Miss. Well, uh, um, Mimi is totally lost, and uh, she she looks at her friend Veronica. Uh, so, do we need a body for this man to have? But Edgar's body back? Do I get that right? Because I still have this painting of the boat here. Maybe we can lock him in the painting and he's uh, we can hang him on the wall. Good God. Uh, I mean, I like boats, but that's a bit much. <laughs> it is Berlin boat. It's good boat. I don't know what a Berlin is, but okay. <laughs> you, you come with us. We'll swap okay. bodies. Then we'll do plan B, whatever that is. <laughs> sure. So it cuts and we, we find you. You've led him out of the park back to Edgar's apartment. Sat outside is the old man from earlier in his underpants. And always he's wearing those red long johns um, with the bum flap, you know, kind of thing. And he, he finally wakes up as you approach and he goes, oh, that was awful. What the? And there's a big swelling on the back of his head from when he was dragged down the stairs. Oh, no, of course. What the hell is going on? <laughs> what's uh oh veronica gubbins mimi what house oh angstrom um how are you <laughs> how, how are you what, what, 
oh, it's Friday, isn't it? It's Friday, it's now Saturday morning. Um, and he stands up and he makes a lot of groaning and yelling noises as he stands up and goes, oh, God, my body. Oh, what's going on? So you are Edgar, right? Yes. So do you have the boat? I don't. I'm not a naval man, Mimi. You know me. I'm a painter. So all this for nothing. Thank you very much. Shitty night. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mimi. I'll, I'll phone you in the morning if you want. It, it is morning. And Mimi takes off the hat and throws it on the floor and something comes out. What comes out? A very tiny person. A very tiny person in a suit. Say, saying, um, who put me in here? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they, they, they scuttle off. Uh, it, <laughs> and disappear. So, yeah, and just run, run down a drain. <laughs> Making Holding... airplane noises. Yeah, make... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That's exactly what happens. As he says, he'll call you, Mimi, and then you throw your hat down. He looks and says, oh, Veronica, I'll also call you, I will only call you in the morning as well, if you want. Frankly, Edgar, I don't give a damn. Mimi, let's go to the docks and we'll find you a boat. And I offer out my <laughs> noodle arm <laughs> for Mimi to join and we'll, we'll scape her off into the night. Fantastic. Oh, uh, Gubbins, Woodhouse, Angstrom, I can call you in the morning. Well, frankly, I don't think our business arrangement is going to work very much longer. Oh, um, could you at least put me back in my body? This isn't fair. <laughs> Well, I'm always up for another trip to the Blue Dragon, I suppose. Okay, Woodhouse and Angstrom, what are you going to do? As as uh, Gubbins is going to lead him back to the Blue Dragon, Veronica and Mimi have left in a huff. Not in a huff, in a righteous in, indignation. Into our own spin-off film that will happen. Our own spin-off yes. film, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and Woodhouse and Angstrom, what are you going to do? I think we head off much like the end of Casablanca, where we say, this could be the start of a wonderful friendship. Yes, absolutely. Very much so. I just want to check the one thing I came and talked to Edgar about before I, uh, before I get Edgar. Yes. Um, just to be very clear. I came this morning, this yesterday, to talk to you. Was it one pinch or two pinches of salt in that recipe you gave me? That's all I needed to know. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it for a pina colada? Yes. No salt. No, no salt. salt. That's all no, I wanted to no. know. Yeah, that was, no. That was you... the entire reason I came. Thank you. No. Uh, ideally, just life advice, don't put salt in a cocktail. Gotcha. Right, I'll, I'm going to go off with um, this this chap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that... Whoever is, he is. <laughs> that is the end of the adventure. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You rescued Edgar from himself. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Uh, but yeah, that is It Trust Be, uh, a very strange game. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had oh, fun. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. Fantastic. I really yeah, like that. The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's players were Fiona, Doro, Frank, John, and Kat. This episode's guest GM was Rob, who has appeared on this podcast before, running one-shots of Numenera and Vert. Many thanks to him for introducing us to these amazing RPGs. This episode's RPG was Idris Bai, a surreal RPG published by Vagrant Workshop. You can find out more information about Idris Buy and buy your own copy on the Idris Buy website. That's idrisbuy.com. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Music On. Twinmusicon.org, 
licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast for latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.